Thank you, George. We we need to hear from God, and we need to hear His Word. And I'm more convinced than ever that you know we might come together and we might take a topic and we might learn some really good information. But what we need is more than information. We need transformation. And transformation only happens when God works by His Holy Spirit to transform us and to change us into the image of Jesus Christ. And I'm always amazed by the power that's in His Word and how He can take weak vessels like any of us and use us as His instruments. But it's the Spirit of God that works in that way. It's never you or me. It's His power. There is a verse in Psalm 119, 130. What a powerful verse. It says, The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. I love that picture. The unfolding of the Word of God, of God's truth, of His heart, of His mind. And we need it because we're simple. We need that understanding that He alone can give. Psalm 107, verse 9 also says, For... He satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Guys, we need to be satisfied. We need to be filled. We need Him. Uh, We're continuing on in Job just a couple of more weeks. Today we're in Job chapter 42. And we are going to look at uh, verses 1 through 6. And we're going to look at repentance. Turning fully to the living God. And so I encourage you to... We're going to look at the last chapter of this book of Job. Don't be fooled. We still have two messages after this, I know of. Uh, Job 42, verses 1 through 6, though. Let's stand in God's honor as I want to read the text aloud. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things... No plan of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my counsel without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now, and I will speak. I will question you, and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust And ashes. Let's pray. Master, we're here because we need the unfolding of your words to give us light. We're here because we are simple and we need understanding that you alone provide. Father, we are hungry. We are thirsty and you satisfy the thirsty and you fill the hungry with good things. And Father, as we look at this example of of this righteous man, this blameless man named Job, and Father, how he came to a place, Father, where he had to say, Lord, forgive me. Father, I I just come and and I just want to to be honest with you, God. I, I I need to confess my sin and I need to look your way, Lord. And Father, we all need that, God. And and I pray as we look at the example of Job this morning, Master, I pray that the unfolding of Your words will give light. I pray that we who are simple might gain understanding and that we might leave here and say, we are great sinners, but we have a mighty God who forgives. And so, Lord, we just trust You. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 
We live in a culture where often it's hard to find people who want to take responsibility. We're all victims. We're all, well, if, if you know, if I didn't have this to deal with or, or, or if this hadn't happened in my life, things would be so different. And, and we point to reasons why we're in a place we never intended to be. But the words we seldom hear are, I was wrong. Or, I am sorry. Or, forgive me. No, what too often we hear is, you're such a jerk and you're such an idiot, I'm going to sue you for doing that to me. I'm going to take the shirt off your back for that. You know, it was interesting this week, I, I had read uh, that a couple, this actually happened in 2010, I don't know why it's just coming out in hell. Back in 2010, they had sued Walmart. And what had happened, uh, the cashier at Walmart had put two big bottles of soy sauce and a two-pound bag of rice in a, one plastic bag. And as the woman was walking out the door, the bag broke and some soy sauce fell on her toe and broke her toe, cut it open. She ended up having medical expenses, um, ended up getting sick, actually ended up dying. And they were suing Walmart for $656,000. And on top of that, funeral charges uh, and suffering to be disclosed I thought, wow, this age of, of litigation, this age of, if I've got to find somebody, I've got to find somebody. And, matter of fact, speaking of litigation, this is an actual case that happened that won an award, uh, guys, for the Criminal Lawyers Award contest several years ago. And it was about a lawyer in Charlotte, North Carolina, who had purchased 24 rare cigars. And he took out fire insurance on them and, you know, insurance, but that was part of it, that if they caught on fire, they were insured. Well, a month later, he took out a lawsuit against the insurance company. And it was interesting, uh, as he came with his case before the insurance company, the lawyer stated that cigars were lost in a series of small fires. And, of course, the insurance company figured out rather quickly what had happened, these small fires. And, of course, they tried to fight him in court. But in the end, this lawyer won his case. And he was given $15,000 because the insurance company didn't define, you know, what an unacceptable fire was in order to make a claim. So he was all excited, you know, he had won his case. But it wasn't too long after that that the insurance company uh, turned around and sued him. I love this. Sued him for arson. <laughs> 24 counts of arson to serve 24 months in jail with a $24,000 fine. Now, there's a part of us that just says, yes, there is justice in, in what can transpire. <laughs> It's a beautiful thing when a person comes to a place where he can just be honest and say, God, I don't like where I am. I don't really like how I got here. But Father, I just want to come clean. I want you to help me, Lord. Because until we come to a place where we can realize the truth, we can't heal. We can't be restored. 
And the Bible talks about that. And as we look in Job chapter 42, as you look at verse 6 here, that's where Job comes to. He says, Therefore I despise myself and I repent in dust and ashes. (laughs) The term recant literally means to turn from a planned course of action to a new course of action. It is the picture of repentance. It is, I'm going a direction, but that direction is self-destructive, and i got to stop, and i got to realize I'm headed a way that is dangerous, and i got to turn around, and i got to go the right way. That's the safe direction. That's repentance. That, that's what it means to recant. That's what it means to, to go God's way. David, uh, the great example of that's from this Psalm 51 is King David. As you remember King David, you know, he, instead of going with Arby's in the time of war, he stayed behind. He was up on the roof and he saw Bathsheba bathing. And, and you guys remember the story. He calls Bathsheba up to his bedroom and she ends up with child. And it just gets, it goes from bad to worse. He ends up trying to get her husband to come home and and to be with his wife, and, you know, that doesn't work. And so then he ends up with this plan to have him killed on the battlefield. And he thinks he's gotten away with all this. Then the prophet Nathan comes to him, and he gives this wonderful story about a little lamb who was precious to to its owner. And, and this little lamb was taken and, and, and viciously killed. And then David's like, that's terrible. Who could do that? And Nathan, the prophet, looked at him and said, you are the man. He said, you know, you're hiding this, but you can't hide it from God. And, and so this is Psalm 51, and this is David. He's broken. He sees the truth. He's come to the place where he realizes if I'm going to crawl out of the pit, i got to first admit I'm in the pit. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin." For I know my transgressions. My sin's always before me. Coming clean. He says, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you're approved right when you speak and justified when you judge. He says, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me. And I'll be cl- with hyssop and I'll be clean. Wash me. I'll be whiter than snow. David, he, he's coming before God. He's being honest. He's finally in a place where he can experience real healing. And, and I want you to see verse 17. It, that makes me think of Job. And, and it is the place where Job is. It is where Job's repenting. It is where he is in ashes. He's in sackcloth. He's before God. And he's saying, okay, God, you're right. Verse 17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. There's nothing weak about being honest when you're broken. God says, That is the one that I I rejoice in. It is the one I respect. It is the one I look to. It's the one I don't despise. Because you can't be clean until you know you're dirty. You can't find mercy and grace and forgiveness till you know there's something to be forgiven of. You can't continue to fight against God. You can't. From verse 17, uh, with some thought here, five characteristics 
regarding a contrite heart. First, it nurses no grudges. A contrite heart doesn't say, well, if this had not happened, if I was not raised like that, it's not looking for excuses. Secondly, it makes no demands. Let me tell you about my rights and let me, let me tell you what you have to do. It doesn't do that. That's not a broken spirit. It's not a contrite heart. Third, it has no expectations. I'm coming not because of what I will receive. I'm, I'm coming because I have to come. Regardless of what happens. Fourth, I, it offers no conditions, no ifs, no wishes. It just comes broken. And then lastly, anticipates no favors. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. That is not in a broken spirit. Now, how did Job get to this place? Let's, let's get back to the book of Job and, and look at the Scriptures here. How, how did Job get to this place where he's honest before God and, and, and he says there in verse 6 of, of Job 42 that I, I despise myself, I repent in dust and ashes. We want to go back and turn back to chapter 40. The Lord is speaking to Job. Job is, is, is sitting and he, you know, he's, he's not broken. He's not contrite at this time. And, and God's, God's just going to have the heart-to-heart, face-to-face with his child. Notice what he says to him. Well, the one who contends with the Almighty correct him. <laughs> Let him who accuses God answer him. And it says, Then Job answered the Lord. I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I, I put my hand over my mouth. I, I spoke once. I have no answer twice. I'll say no more. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. Brace yourself like a man. I, I will question you and, and you shall answer me. He says, man, you better hold on tight because I'm getting ready to hit you between the eyes, Job. I'm getting ready to, to unload the truth. He says, would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? He says, are you trying to say I'm not a just God? Or are you trying to condemn me because you want to justify yourself? Do you have an arm like God's? And can your voice thunder like His? He says, then adorn yourself with glory and splendor. Clothe yourself in honor and majesty. He says, unleash the fury of your wrath. Look at every proud man. Bring him low. Look at every proud man and humble him. Crush the wicked where they stand. Bury them all in the dust together. Shroud their face in the grave. <laughs> then I myself will admit to you that your own right hand can save you. He says, so Job, you're the all-powerful one. You can control everybody's life and you can take care of injustice and, 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 and all the calamities that come. Job, you're, you're God. Hey, when Job's honest and he hears the truth, what can he do? He's humbled. Now, he gives two examples here. I want you to look at these. First, he opens up with a behemoth, which uh, it, it says here, hippopotamus in the bottom of my Bible. And Bon study, several agreed with that. Hippo or the elephant. Uh, we'll go with the hippopotamus here. Um, I want you to see what he says. Verse 15, look at the behemoth which I made along with you. It says, feeds on grass like an ox. 
talks about his strength and his loin, power of the muscles in his belly, how he sways like a cedar, and the sinews of his thighs are close-knit. His bones are tubes of bronze, his limbs like rods of iron. You know, it was uh, interesting here as I was reading about hippopotamuses. They range from five to 8,000 pounds. They eat 80 to 90 pounds of grass a day to sustain that weight. Talking about these mighty legs, it said one calf could weigh about 100 pounds. That's a, a powerful, a strong animal. It says it can run as fast as a man for a short distance. It can be very aggressive and their teeth just keep growing continuously and can reach up to 20 inches. Now that's some teeth. It's pretty vicious. And they can be aggressive in, in, in their attack as, as, as they come. And, and God is speaking about this animal, about this behemoth, uh, this hippopotamus. And he comes through, he says, verse 19, He ranks among the works of God, yet His Maker can approach Him with His sword. <laughs> and as he shares here in poetry, he, he talks about how powerful this animal is. And then he says in verse 24, Can anyone capture Him by the eyes or trap Him and pierce His nose? And then he moves on to a sea creature. Many believe, speaking of the crocodile, as he talks about the Leviathan. And... <laughs> It's kind of interesting here is, you know, I think God's got a little bit of a sense of humor. As he looks here in the next chapter in 41 and describes this creature, he says, Can you pull in the Leviathan with a fish hook or tie down his tongue with a rope? You know, you go put a, you go put a fish hook in that thing, you know? Are you kidding me with a crocodile? He says, or Are you going you gonna to get in his mouth? Keep that mouth still while I get this rope around here no way of course you know it's kind of hard to preach this thing when you think about that guy that nut the crocodile hunter crikey remember that you know and you take all those uh man all those risks with with the crocodiles but this powerful animal and he's god is coming and as he's speaking he says look at his power matter of fact it's interesting as i did some studying on the crocodile said that uh they have the most powerful jaws in the animal kingdom. But it's the coming down with the jaws. Opening their jaws, they don't have a lot of power. It said you could use... And one thing I read said you could use duct tape. We can use duct tape for anything, can't you? you know, to keep those jaws shut. Or a rubber band would hold the jaws. But when they clamp down, they come with such great force. Uh, one article I read said 5,000 pounds of force. Another said 3,700 pounds. This is per square inch. Compare that to a lion who has approximately 1,000 per square inch of force. So you're, it's said up to 12 times that of a great white shark as we think about their damage. Great damage that comes with this powerful, powerful animal. Uh, look as he, let me go down to here real quick here. He says, will he be begging you for mercy? Will he speak to you with gentle words? You know, I think the human, is it a crocodile saying, sweet nothings, you know? Hey Todd, just... Come over here close. I got something to give you. Just a little chomp. Come can, can you come close? You know, the, the gentle words. Isn't that crazy stuff? Will he make an agreement with you for you to take him as your slave for life? Look at this one, verse five. Can you make a pet of him like a bird? Or put him on a leash for your girls? Could you see somebody walking a crocodile around the block on a leash? Hey you get 
Get back behind me. Stop that. You know, a pet, you know, this, this animal. Is he saying, can you tame this great, powerful animal? Job, can you do all this? Can you? Then we come to Job 42. And as Job, he hears all this and, and he comes to grips with this meeting with the living God and, and how great God is and how great he's not. And he replies to him. He says, Job says, I know that you can do all things, God. He says, I know no purpose of yours can be thwarted. He says, you ask, who is it that obscures my plans without knowledge? He says, I, I, God, I spoke things I did not understand. Two things too wonderful for me to know. God, I, I was simple. I was dumb. God, I, forgive me, God. He, he's coming honest. He's coming clean before God. He's humbling himself. Full repentance. He's, he's dealing with the truth. He's, he's stopping and he's turning God's direction. And he's coming clean, coming honest before God. Verse 5, he, look what he says. He says, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Hey, he's had that first-hand experience for God. Turn me to the book of Daniel. Uh, Daniel chapter 4. Is there's a great uh, example of this in the Scriptures that tell us um, about the king who Nebuchadnezzar, who he got too full of himself as he spoke against God and, and God worked to humble him. Um, he says, uh, verse 31 of chapter 4, The words were still on his lips when a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You'll be driven away from people, live in the wild. You'll eat grass like cattle. Several times will pass by for you until you acknowledge the Most Highest Sovereign of the kingdom of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. And then it says he went crazy and he lived among the animals and his hair grew and his fingernails grew out and he looked like a wild man that was insane. But then God got a hold of him during that time, just as he promised. Uh, verse 34, he says... At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven. My sanity was restored. I praised the Most High, honored and glorified Him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as He pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back His hand or say to Him, What have you done? Now look at the very last verse of the chapter. He says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just in those who walk in pride. He is able to humble. Nebuchadnezzar began to understand every breath I take, every step is a gift from you, God. It is by your grace, it is by your kindness, it is by your mercy that I'm able to do anything, God. This is the point Job had, had, had found himself. He, he had come to he, in his understanding as, as God spoke to his heart. Uh, Chuck Swindoll, one of his books, uh, tells a story of a, a, a friend of his who... Well, God had gifted him. 
he was able to make a lot of money and he had a son who was very gifted as a musician and as this boy grew up he wanted to go across the country to study at a university uh, to seek uh, his music leanings and so his dad sent him over there paid full tuition for him to go and while the boy was over there because he was he was so intelligent and so gifted musically, you know, he just rose to the top of the pecking order and he started hanging around with a group of people who knew that they had it together and were maybe just better than everyone else around them. And so he got this attitude. And and this attitude well, it just stunk, you know? And and so it came time for him to come home for break. And so he came home and there was that attitude. And it just drove his parents nuts. Chuck said, you know, they didn't know how to deal with it. And and finally, his dad was just about crazy. He said, we need a private meeting, son. So he called him into a room and he said, you know that your mom and I love you more than words can say. And you know that we would do anything in the world for you. But let me just tell you, boy. Everything you own, that car outside that you, that you drive, the clothes on your back, the, every, all the possessions you have, I bought them. They belong to me. You only have them because I allow you to enjoy them, but they're mine. And he said, unless you change this stinking attitude of yours, I can't deal with it. You're just going to have to leave. And he said something smart outly to his dad, and his dad said, That's it. Empty your pockets, put the stuff on the table, I'll allow you to keep the clothes on your back, just leave, walk out the door. So he said, Fine. So his boy cleaned out his pockets, he put them down on the counter, and he said, Bye. And he slams the door behind him, and he starts walking. He starts thinking. Gets a block, two blocks, three blocks, and he thought, What am I going to do? I don't have anywhere to go. I don't have any money. I don't have anywhere to stay. And that boy, uh, as Chuck wrote, he said, he got the greatest education in three blocks you can possibly receive. And so he turned around. He walked back and he knocked on the door. Yeah, who's there? He said, it's your son. I'm sorry, Daddy. I was wrong. Can I come home? And Chuck said that uh, his friend said, yeah, and he opened the door, and, you know, and they hugged and, you know, made things right and had this great meal tonight, and everything had changed. Before we can find His mercy and His love and His forgiveness, we have to understand we need it. We have to understand that we have rebelled against the living God and we must turn His direction. And that's what we learn uh, from Job. Look at verse 17 here as the chapter ends. It says, And so he died old and full of years. You can live a lot of years or you can live a lot of years. There's a big difference between living a lot of years and living a lot of years. It's not enough just to live those years. God wants you to have life. 
That's what the gospel is about. Many of us here have had that first surrender where we've said, Okay, God, I am a sinner. I am messed up. And I need your forgiveness. Enter my heart, Lord. And you can't have the second surrender that Job experienced here until you have the first surrender. So I guess the first thing as we come to invitation or responding to him is, have you had that first surrender? It's not enough to see God as this um, deity that's out there. and He's distant. He is a father that's come close. And so have you said, okay, God, you love me too much to stay up there in the heavens. You came down here and walked among us and you died on a cross and you provided forgiveness for me. And if you had that first surrender, and if you had that first surrender, you know, you come back where Job was. What about, is it time for a, a second surrender? I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about just coming back where you started when you first met him. Man, we are bad to drift, lose our way. And, and we need to come to grips with He is God and we are not. And that's what this is about. We have an altar that's open for, guys, the first surrender or a, a new surrender, a, a new start. Not to be saved, but to walk as those who are saved. For it says in 1 John uh, 2, 6, Whoever claims to live in Him must walk as Jesus did. That, that comes with a change of life and heart. We're going to have a time of invitation stand and to sing and to come to Him. Let's pray. Father, uh, thank You for this chance, Lord, to approach You, God. Father, uh, our hearts are heavy for a lot of reasons. But Father, You're always looking for us to see You, Lord. You beg for us to look toward You, God. We get so caught up in our own misery sometimes that we don't look to you where there's life and God where there's joy. And so, Father, I pray this morning, as we've heard this message from Job, Father, how have you spoken to me? May we ask that question. God, how have you spoken to me? And may we obey what you say, Lord, whether it's to come to pray, to come to the front, to share with your people to pray right where we are, a surrender. Maybe that first surrender of Jesus enter my heart brings salvation. Of another surrender of, Lord, I've drifted. Bring me close. Father, we come to you seeking you. In your name we pray.